1: On this side of the second coming. Those kind of things still happen. Jesus said if you want to save your life. Lose it. Jesus said if you want to be my disciple. Take up your cross. Your cross daily. And by losing. You'll win. By losing. You'll win. But he is coming. And those days of the cross life. Are numbered.
0: Our God is a God of war. He isn't tied up in heaven just walking through fields of grass with sunshine and butterflies fluttering around him. He's actively orchestrating and directing angels and believers as they engage in battle with a real and powerful enemy. Victory in this battle looks much different than what we would expect in an earthly battle. The spoils of this war aren't wealth and power, but servitude and love. To have victory in this fight requires dying to ourselves in order to live fully for Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 19 as he begins his message, The Thousand-Year Reign of Christ.
1: Revelation chapter 19, if you're just joining us, very, very simply, the book of the Revelation is, majority of it, about a time yet future called the Great Tribulation. It's a time when things are going to get really bad on the earth and uh, terrible just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are right at now, in our study, the second coming of Christ. John the Apostle writes for us, chapter 19, verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. This is Jesus. Years ago, as I was teaching through this, I got an email the following weekend uh, after my teaching, someone asking me what my position as a pastor was on war. It was obvious in reading the email, they are a pacifist. And so if I said anything in regard to being for war or being for a God who's for war, I knew they just wanted to get into a debate. And I refused to do that. But if we want to debate it, this is one of the scriptures you want to use on God's side because I just read it with justice. He judges and makes war. This is Jesus. Lady come up after last night. She said, I thought uh, humans started wars and God didn't. Well, it says right here, he judges and he makes war. But it's always just. There's a, there's an interesting statement in Numbers chapter 21, verse 14, that mentions the book of the wars of the Lord. I don't know where that book is. Probably in heaven. But it's in the Bible. It tells us about it. And so God's keeping record of his wars. Now, guess how many battles, guess how many wars God has lost? Zero. But let me throw in here that there is one that he appeared to lose. And sometimes he continues to appear this side of the second coming to be losing Leave here. We're coming right back. Put a marker there in Revelation. Go with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul verse 6 says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before the beginning of time. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You read the record, Jesus' closest disciples, when he went to the cross, they were dumbfounded, they were extremely disappointed. He was buried, he's dead. And all their hopes are dashed and it appeared that God lost. And hell actually thought we got him. Not realizing, not understanding that conspiring together and filling Judas to betray Jesus and end up putting him on the cross ultimately sealed hell's faith. It was the final nail on the proverbial coffin, if you will. But the rulers of this world didn't understand it. They didn't see it. It appeared that hell won and God lost. Wrong. And please understand, on this side of the second coming, those kind of things still happen. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, lose it. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross, your cross daily. And by losing, you'll win. By losing, you'll win. But he is coming. And those days of the cross life are numbered. Here he is. John sees heaven standing open. White horse, I like that. He's riding a horse. My first prayer, my first prayer I remember as a child, Lord, if you'll give me a pony, I'll never ask you for anything as long as I live. Anything else? Jesus is coming on a horse. With justice, he judges and he makes war and he's coming on a horse. Verse 12, his eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Why is that? Manoah was the father of Samson. In Judges chapter 13, you read there that the angel of the Lord, that's Christ in the Old Testament before he became the New Testament, Jesus, the human being, Christ, the angel of the Lord, appears to Manoah, Samson's dad. And he asked the angel of the Lord, what's your name? And the angel Christ said, why do you ask my name? It's beyond understanding not because he doesn't want us to know it because you can't really comprehend it so he has a name no one knows but he himself verse 13 he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of god the armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses you say how do you know that's us Study your Bible. You go back to Revelation 17. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. They'll make war against the Lamb. That's what's happening. Revelation 20, 19, and 20. They'll make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because he's Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. We're coming with him. And we're riding horses. Oh, I just, I'd say it doesn't get any better than this, but it does get better. (laughs) The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Psalm 2, write it down if you're a note taker, later read it. Fits in with that verse. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. My wife is very astute biblically. I'm still jealous sometimes when she sees things in the Bible that I've never seen. A few years ago, she commented on this verse and I related in a message that what she had said to me, and I got all these negative emails from parents. You say, why? Well, let me read it again. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Got it on his robe, and he's got it on his thigh. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And my wife said in a conversation with me in relation to this verse, I don't think that's magic marker. And she said, I wonder, is that a tattoo? And I got all these emails from parents suggesting that I had given them ammunition to go to their parents because they wanted to get a tattoo. I'm just teaching the Bible. Is it a tattoo? I don't know. Is it a magic marker? I don't think so. It's something permanent. He has it written on his robe. King of kings, Lord of lords. He has it written on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. So if you do get a tattoo, (laughs) make it something glorifying to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 17, and John says, I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Come. Gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast. That's Antichrist. And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. Pause there for just a minute. I mentioned Psalm 2. I just feel led to go back there just for a moment because how foolish it is and yet it's going to happen That an army is going to come against the rider on the horse and the other riders who are with him. That's you and me. Psalm 2 talks about this. Verse 1. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? In other words, it's a losing cause. The kings of the earth take their stand again. The rulers gather together against the Lord, Jehovah, and against his anointed one, Christ. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger, terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy hill, Jerusalem. And I'll proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you're my son. Today I've become your father. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. You'll rule them with an iron scepter. You'll dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Don't be stupid. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry. And you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Now, back to Revelation, here's what's happening you have the Antichrist, the kings allied with him, and armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. Verse 20 But the beast was captured, with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. This is a war. It's a just war. It's a war of good versus evil. Whether you watch the whole series, The Fellowship of the Ring, and all those, or uh, any of those kind of movies, you know, the Marvel things, you know, and the, uh, all of it is good versus evil. And guess what the Bible promises, predicts, guarantees? Good wins in the end. <laughs> Foolish. They come against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but they will, and they do fascinating stuff the war ends suddenly and look what happens next chapter 20 and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven having the key to the abyss the abyss is a real place it's somewhere down below Jesus when he delivered the demoniac that had legion of demons And the demons beg Jesus repeatedly, don't send us into the abyss. And so Jesus lets them go into the herd of pigs. Herd of pigs go over the steep cliff, drown in the Sea of Galilee. Why don't they want to go into the abyss? Jude tells us that the abyss, a real place, there are actually fallen angels bound there. And they can't roam the earth along with their master Satan seeking someone to devour. And they can't possess flesh, which they love to do. A real place. Jude infers that some of the most powerful fallen angels are there, bound right now. And so, in a future day, the second coming of Christ, angel comes down out of heaven, has the key to the abyss, holding in his hand also a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss. He locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. It's called the thousand year reign of Christ. Some people in the church are saying there is no thousand year reign of Christ. Don't listen to those people. They don't know what they're talking about. It's absolutely unbiblical to suggest there's not a literal thousand years of reign when Jesus returns. And you and I will rule and reign with him. He's coming back. Satan is going to be bound. All these thousand years that are yet future. Verse 4, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Jesus said to the twelve... That at the renewal of all things, Matthew 19, they would sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image. Had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, here's where it gets real interesting. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is important stuff here. Listen up. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. The second death is coming up in the next chapter the lake of fire. Worse than the first death, worse than hell. Second death, blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. That scripture is very clear. All believers will take part in the first resurrection and the second resurrection, second death. So all believers ruling and reigning with Christ on the earth for a thousand years, we will be Jesus's government agents throughout the globe. I have my application in for the Caribbean. (laughs) We'll be in our new bodies. So you don't have to worry about death. You don't have to fear. You can look at someone as a government agent uh, for Jesus. and, And if they threaten you, you can say, go ahead, make my day. I mean, this is real stuff. This is not sci-fi. It's, real. it's really going to happen. Jesus is coming. He's going to set up his kingdom. Uh, he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, you're going to be serving with him in some capacity throughout the planet. I mean, that's cool stuff. Now, my wife is very astute biblically. I think I already mentioned that. <laughs> but we were talking about this a while back. And, and the question of, okay, if we're ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years, who are we ruling and reigning over? Who's here other than us? And she believed that only believers go into the thousand year reign. And as astute as she is on this one, she's just dead wrong. <laughs> Keep your marker there. Go back with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, many of the prophecies in the book of Daniel are sister prophecies to the book of the Revelation. Same meaning, same interpretation, okay? Daniel sees four beasts. They are kingdoms. Some have fallen in terms of historically, the ones mentioned here, and yet they're still on the planet and people populate them, but the ones referred to in this specific time that Daniel talks about our past tense. A future beast, a revived Roman Empire, which the Antichrist will rule over, is the fourth beast. Trust me on that as you look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 11. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words, the horn was speaking. The horn is the Antichrist. I kept looking until the beast was slain, And its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. That's what we just read in Revelation. The other beast had been stripped of their authority. Because Jesus is here. King of kings. Lord of lords. He's setting up his kingdom. But they were allowed to live for a period of time the other nations allied with the Antichrist that we're reading about in Revelation at the end of the Great Tribulation in the second coming of Christ, that's where Daniel is right here in Daniel chapter 7. They were allowed to live for a period of time. Verse 13, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, Messiah, coming with the clouds of heaven. That's the second coming. So it's clear from this Passage in Daniel chapter 7, that there will be survivors from the great tribulation. They are not believers. They are not Christians. And we will be Jesus' government agents, and we will rule and reign with him on the planet for a thousand years. It's absolutely going to happen. What's it going to be like? That's a great question. Let me give you a few characteristics. Israel will enjoy all the promises God has made to her that have yet to be fulfilled. Zechariah chapter 8 verse 23. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we've heard God is with you. Israel will be the most blessed nation on the planet. Isaiah 51, referring to Israel. He'll make her deserts like Eden. Paradise. Her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. You go to visit Israel in this coming day in the thousand years, it's the most joyous place on the planet. Why? Because Jesus rules and reigns from Jerusalem. He's there physically. Second characteristic, righteousness will reign universally. Isaiah 2 verse 3, the law will go out from Zion in Jerusalem. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem says the same thing in Micah 4.2. two. It says the same thing in Isaiah 51.4. The law is going to go out. It's his law. And it's not just for one nation, for all nations. And it's righteousness. You don't have to worry about voting someone in to make the righteous laws. He's going to, every law he makes is righteous. Now, because of that, here's the third characteristic. Uh, here's the third one. Nobody's going to get away with anything. Nobody.
0: The book of Revelation isn't a pleasant book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now. And the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming. And it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end and His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Living Word. Pastor Danny will continue this verse-by-verse study of Revelation in our next edition of The Living Word. But right now, you can hear more by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. There you'll also learn more about Pastor Danny and the church these messages originate from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We'd love to meet you, so if you're in the area, please come join us for one of our weekend services. We gather each Saturday and Sunday to worship the Lord and learn from His Word, and we'd be honored to share that time with you. Be sure to stop Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. You'll find all the information you need at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more from the book of Revelation, right here on The Living Word.